We are headed for some major spiritual shifts, and this episode has everything you need to know, including, of course, yoga practices and journal prompts for really where we're headed for the next year and a half. So as you may know, as you may have heard, unless you're new here, if you're new here, welcome. Um, If you're not new here, you know I've been talking about we're heading into eclipse season. Y'all have been asking me for a more detailed report just on eclipse season. So here is that, but this is also a... Um, because this eclipse season is ushering in a shift of the nodes of the moon, Rahu and Ketu, which are the, uh, points responsible for eclipse. They're known as shadow planets in Vedic astrology. They're not really physical bodies in space. Um, they are changing signs right after this eclipse season or really during eclipse season this year. And so that only happens every 18 months, every year and a half. So this eclipse season is a big deal. It's a bigger deal than I guess what you would call a normal eclipse season, but what even is a normal eclipse season? Eclipses bring in major shifts in our lives in general anyway, whether you're paying attention to the astrology or not. You can do this thing that I like to call like forensic astrology, you look back over the course of your life and you look at the dates of when major transits like this happen. And these kinds of things are what's responsible for when people say, oh, in another lifetime, I did this or another lifetime, I did that. I was this. Um, Like I sometimes say in another lifetime, I was a guitar instructor. That was my first job. I taught guitar lessons. Um, And I now in adulthood say in another lifetime, I was a guitar instructor, right? Um, So if you've heard people say that, you can kind of match these things up to Rahu and K2 transits. So that's why it's a big deal. And in this episode, we're going to be focusing on where Rahu and K2 are going for the next 18 months, starting in October. So that's what this episode is largely about. But in doing that, I have to talk about some other important things like how this eclipse season is ushering that in. And then of course, y'all know I'm going to do episodes individually on each of the, um, the moons, the new and full moons that are making up eclipse season. So we'll talk about those individually in more depth, but I can't really talk about this transit without at least touching on them. And then we're going to also talk about some interesting stuff happening towards the end of this Rahu and K2 transit, which is in 2025. So that's where we're going in today's episode. I apologize if it's like a good amount of astrology mumbo jumbo. Y'all know I'm going to try to explain it as best as I can. That's the beautiful feedback that most people give me is that I think I do a pretty good job of like bringing this stuff down to earth and making it practical to your life. That's what I overwhelmingly hear from people. So thank you for saying that. That's my always my goal. And with that, I'd like to extend you a warm welcome to the Yogi Scopes podcast. I'm your host, Rosemary Holbrook. Um, I'm a yoga teacher and a Vedic Sidereal astrologer, so that's what a yogi scope is. We're pairing yoga practices with Vedic astrology because a lot of yoga teachers that incorporate astrology into their work are using Western astrology, which is weird to me, but whatever. Vedic astrology pairs beautifully with yoga, and so that's what we're doing here. And then quick announcement before we get started, the Astrology for Yogis course. If you want to learn how to do what I do, how to do yogi scopes, how to make your classes based on Vedic astrology, how to read birth charts so you can give readings to people. Um, Astrology for Yogis is the course for that. And if you want to get more details, it is open for signups today through 
next Friday, which is the beginning of Ancestor Fortnite, which is the full moon in Pisces, the beginning of eclipse season. We'll talk about um, that, but that's our kickoff call. That's the day that signups close next Friday, uh, September 29th. If you want to learn more, you can go to yogiscopes.com slash AFY, which are like the initials for astrology for yogis, AFY. I don't know the military call outs for those letters, A as in asinine, <laughs> AF as in Frank, that's one, um, Y as in yogis. A, astrology for yogis, right? Okay, so go to that yogiscopes.com slash AFY. I'll put it in the show notes. If you want to check out the details, learn about becoming a trauma-informed Vedic astrologer, we start next week when it's time to lay low for Ancestor Fortnite anyway. So let's talk about that. That's sort of the, the beginning of all of these major shifts that are headed our way. Starts next Friday with the full moon in Pisces because that full moon, so you may know, maybe you don't know, um, that eclipse season is, there are always two eclipses. They always come in pairs. I guess sometimes in weird circumstances, there will be three, but there's never one eclipse by itself um, because of the way the movements of the moon and sun work um, because we're always having these sort of like new and full moons happening on an axis or like on opposite sides of the earth from each other, which forms an axis in the zodiac signs. Um, and so at these axes, we've had Rahu and Ketu on the Aries and Libra axis, and they are shifting during this eclipse season to the Pisces and Virgo axis. And of course I'll tell you what all that means, but, um, during this eclipse season and all eclipses come in, in pairs. There will be a full moon, um, solar or sorry, full moon lunar eclipse, which is where the earth's shadow is on the moon. The, the earth is between the moon and sun and the earth casts its shadow on the full moon. That's a lunar eclipse. It happens at a full moon. A solar eclipse happens at the new moon where the moon's shadow blocks out the sun. And so those things always happen together, like within the same lunar cycle as each other. And then we consider astrologically, if you want to hear more about that, I did a full episode called the karmic indicators of Vedic astrology. I did, it was like in 2022. So if you want to scroll way back in the Yogi Scopes podcast, it's not on YouTube, but it is on all the podcast platforms. Um, and find that it was in like February or March of 2022 before the signs, before the nodes moved last time. You can learn more about the astronomy and astrology and Hindu mythology around Rahu and Ketu just in general, which might help you understand eclipses better if you listen to that. Um, and then, and that lecture is also in the membership for those of you that are members um, with like a video that has like graphics that might be helpful. And so um, anyway, so eclipses always happen in pairs, but astrologically we consider the it's it's a six week period because there's two weeks which is what's known as a fortnight or a paksha in sanskrit in um you know like vedic astrology terminology paksha is a fortnight or half of a entire lunar cycle if the lunar cycle is from like new moon to the next new moon that's an entire lunar cycle a paksha or a fortnight is the time between a new moon and a full moon and then again between a full moon and a new moon there's you know, two pakshas or fortnights to every lunar cycle. And so we consider in Vedic astrology, the paksha, 
before. So that's why I'm saying this full moon in Pisces that's coming up on the 29th, next Friday, a week from today, as I'm recording this, is the beginning of eclipse season because it's two weeks before our first eclipse and then we have the two weeks between the eclipses and then the next Paksha between the eclipse to the next like regular, um, it's a new moon. So this eclipse season is, is the new moon in Virgo in October and then the full moon in Aries in October. And so it runs from September 29th, the full moon in Pisces, all the way until November 13th, which is the new moon in Libra. And so we're going to talk about what all this means, but it begins, this sort of major spiritual shifting energy begins, uh, kicks off with this full moon in Pisces that's happening next week on September 29th. And incidentally, this doesn't always happen, that it just has to do with the fact that the nodes are soon moving to Pisces, um, or Rahu is soon moving to Pisces. So it's not always true that the ancestor fortnight, which is, I'll tell you what that means in just a second, um, that is overlapping with eclipse season, but it's kind of a big deal that it is. It doesn't always happen. It just has to do with where the nodes are right now because ancestor fortnight is known as Pitru Paksha. So Paksha means fortnight. Remember, um, it's like a, a, a one half of the cycle of the moon. Um, and Pitru means ancestors and it is marked by the, um, full moon that kicks off the lunar month of Bhadrapada. So the fact that this full moon in Pisces is in the nakshatra of Uttara Bhadrapada, and don't worry, I'll do a separate episode on what all of that means, but what's important to know in relation to eclipse season and in relation to where, um, the nodes are going, which is Rahu's moving to Pisces during this eclipse season it's important to know that we're sort of kicking off this eclipse season with Ancestor Fortnite. And Ancestor Fortnite is a time to lay low and get back into your like spiritual realm sort of. Um, it's not a time to really like be outward and be, um, you know, do it like moving forward in the world. It's time to like hunker down and consider your ancestors really like say thanks to your ancestors. And what's interesting also about this ancestor fortnight, because they happen every year, happens every like fall time really. Um, but this one is a little bit extra special because it is during eclipse season and also, or it's like ushering in eclipse season and also ushering in the change of the nodes at this ancestor fortnight. But then also, we have had all of this energy going on around, um, you know, the Venus retrograde that I've talked about at length. You know, if you're new here, you haven't heard it, but if you're not new here, I'm sure you've heard me say uh, this about the Venus retrograde we had going on in, in Leo and Cancer from like July until September. We had this going on. It was probably bringing up like lineage healing stuff. So it's also a beautiful time during this ancestor fortnight, which is ushering in eclipse season and all these big changes we're going to talk about, um, to connect to like, what's the positive stuff you got from your ancestors. So maybe you spent the past like couple months doing a lot of sort of generational healing work, um, healing generational trauma, like looking at cycles that you want to break from your ancestors. So maybe then you also use these two weeks between September 29th and October 14th to consider, you know, what did your ancestors get right? Like, what are you glad about and what can you tap into 
um, in a spiritual sense that you want to like bring into your life in an embodied way is a good sort of thing. Bring this Venus retrograde full circle. Um, yeah, just wanted to plug that. I might mention it again on the October Outlook episode because uh, I might say more about it. And if you have questions, you can ask me. Um, but I just wanted to touch on that because it is going to be a major theme of this ancestor fortnight. But then, um, so we have that, we have this full moon in Pisces starting next Friday, which is why I planned this, you know, over a year ago, this astrology for yogis launch was like, we're going to finish it. And then the perfect thing you could be doing with that time, if you've been wanting to learn astrology more in depth, like diving into this course material is exactly a good, um, thing to do for the ancestor fortnight to dive back into your spiritual practices in a deeper way. So that's why I was like, it's perfect. We'll start, um, right when that starts, well, I, I'm going to kind of like close down a little bit and be focusing on the new students in the program. Um, and you might be using the course as a way to get back to your spiritual practices, get back to deepening your yoga practice and this kind of stuff. So that starts next Friday on, um, the full moon in Pisces. And that's also important because Rahu is moving to Pisces like a month later on October 30th. And so at this full moon in Pisces, which of course I will talk more about individually later, but um, I'm just going to kind of step through these, all these important things to the Rahu and K2 transit in a quicker way. And then we'll talk about them more individually as we go. But at this full moon in Pisces, you might consider um, sort of like a spiritual clearing related to the Pisces area of your life, the Pisces area of your chart, your birth chart. So whatever house Pisces rules over, which you're, if you're unsure how to figure that out, grab the birth chart decoder, ask me your questions. I can help you figure it out. Um, but this is the last full moon in that sign before we have Rahu moving there. And Rahu is a disruptor planet. It brings like obsession. It brings upheaval to some degrees. Um, and so I'll get there. Let's keep stepping through like these other important dates at the beginning of the transit, because then before Rahu and K2 move yet, our first eclipse is in Virgo. So remember Rahu and K2 are in Aries and Libra, and that's where they've been for the past year and a half. And so at this eclipse season, we're sort of seeing the energy of this Rahu and Pisces K2 in Virgo cycle start to usher in around October 14th, because that's when we're having um, a new moon solar eclipse in Virgo. So um, it, that will mark a good time to set your intentions for the whole next 18 months. And then we have on October 28th, a full moon lunar eclipse in Aries, which of course, like I'm telling you, I will talk, these will all get their own dedicated episode. So don't worry about trying to figure out exactly what you're going to do right now. I'm just trying to give you like the big picture and then we'll zoom in as we go. Um, and so how this is working, how this is playing out with these movements of the, the lunar cycles before um, Rahu and Ketu change, because right after that full moon lunar eclipse in Aries, like two days later on October 30th is when Rahu and Ketu officially move. Rahu will move from Aries to Pisces and Ketu will move from Libra to Virgo. And then we finish out eclipse season on November 13th with the new moon in Libra. 
And so how that plays out, like all of that, I just told you all of that. And it might have felt kind of like astrology jargon or mumbo jumbo to you, like doesn't really apply to your life. But what that means is starting on this with this first one, the full moon in Pisces, it will be a good time to consider releasing any kind of stuff related to like your spirituality. Um, do you have like emotional up and ups and downs? Do you maybe feel like you struggle with boundaries? Can you sort of release some of that because it's going to be challenged once Rahu moves there a month later and it will continue to be challenged for the next year and a half. We'll talk about that. Um, and then at the new moon in Virgo, the new moon eclipse in Virgo on October 14th, can you set your intentions maybe around how you want to be for the next year and a half? So basically what I'm saying is all of this stuff is like a clearing of the last year and a half while setting intentions for the next year and a half. Okay. And, um, so with that full moon eclipse in Aries at the end of October, it's like, what do you want to um, release or like bring full circle related to the last year and a half of, um, the Rahu and K2 transit, like what was really going on for you for the last year and a half. And can you sort of like bring that stuff full circle and really release it. And then with the new moon in Libra in November, we'll be ending eclipse season. It will be time to sort of step forward anew. And at that point in the astrology for yogis program, you'll be moving into module three, which is like the integration module. You might like actually be ready to start giving astrology readings by then. So um, that's just an example of how this might work out for you. You might use the astrology for yogis program as your sort of guideline to bring about this spiritual transformation for yourself, or you might do something else, but that's kind of the, um, uh, pattern we'll have going on over the next month and a half. So now that we've talked about like what's going to happen, let's talk about what or how it's going to happen. I say, I should say, let's talk about what is going to be like ushered in, like I'm saying, we're ushering in this new cycle. And okay, so what's the new cycle? What does Rahu and Pisces mean? What does K2 and Virgo mean? Let's talk about it. So as always, to talk about what any transit means in general, or any like astrological thing, I always like to talk about, like, let's break it down into the individual pieces and the individual archetypes and talk about what those mean together. So this one's a little bit of a bigger one because we're talking about two planets, shadow planets, if you will, Rahu and K2 in two different signs, Pisces and Virgo. So normally I'm talking about one of each, like Saturn and Aquarius. I'm talking about one planet and one sign or a full moon in um, Pisces. I'm talking about one planet, the moon in one sign Pisces. So this might be a lot, but I, hopefully this is the feedback I get from people is that my drawn out explanations are helpful and feel practical. So bear with me, Rahu and K2. Again, you can go back and listen to the longer episode I did about them in 2022. It was in early 2022, like February or March sometime. Um, you can go back and listen to that to get a more drawn out perspective on these two planets. But the important thing to know about them is they are the lunar nodes. They are not real physical bodies in space. There's a story about them, which is interesting. Like a lot of cultures, in fact, have some kind of story about eclipses um, that involves like 
the sun got swallowed or the moon got swallowed. And that, that is in this, the mythology story um, for Rahu and Ketu that you can listen to on that past episode if you want to. Um, but the idea is that Rahu, they are two parts of the same body, sometimes called a snake. Um, sometimes other symbology is used, but Rahu is like the head of the snake. Ketu is the body. And so Rahu being the head, um, so, and so this is like, it's a little bit easier. This is, this will help illustrate this, the concept of like an axis in astrology, because I think I mentioned this on the last episode, the kind of quarterly outlook episode that, um, there's all these, every sign has like a, another sign that's on an axis with it, like Aries and Libra, uh, Pisces and Virgo. We have Aquarius and Leo, you know, Capricorn and, um, Cancer. And so they're usually like kind of opposites in some ways, um, archetypally, but they're also um, like a symbiotic sort of like yin and yang dichotomy relationship where you can't have one without the other. And so this will be a good illustration of that. With Aries and Libra, we're kind of like the self and other. It's hard to have relationships with other people if you don't have a good relationship with yourself. And that's kind of where we've been for the past um, year and a half, Rahu has been asking you to focus on yourself. Aries is like the self in the most simplistic explanation of that transit. There's a lot more nuance to it. And K2 or K2 in Libra is like the other. And so also I like to tell people that with Rahu and K2, Rahu, because it's the head, what do we do with our head? We take in information, we think, so there might be some element of like overthinking, uh, going on with Rahu, overthinking about whatever, you know, the sign that it's in or um, the house that that sign is in for you. Um, and then K2, what do we do with um, our body? You know, so if you think about the head is always, it's where the majority of our sense organs are, like our eyes, our mouth, our nose, our ears. We're taking in all this visual input, smell, sound. We're just taking it all in. And where does that stuff get processed usually is in the body. Um, and so that's K2. And so with anything going on with Rahu and K2, they are not meant to be separate. Like to be an integrated being, you have to integrate the two. So I often tell people just as a piece of advice, if you're experiencing trouble with whatever Rahu is doing in your life, um, it's important because that's what Ra I feel like Rahu gets more flack from people. There's, people think Rahu is like more the problem child because um, wherever Rahu is, you might be experiencing like some upheaval, some explosiveness, like you're being forced to focus on that area of your life, whatever house um, that sign is in for you, whatever area of life that house governs, you're being forced to pay attention to that, which in some ways might take you away from the axis wherever... Um, K2 is, it might cut you off. So K2 has this, um, it's said to like cut you away. Rahu makes you obsessed with whatever, wherever it's placed. K2 cuts you away from that. And so that follows, that makes sense. Like if you're, th let's think about um, for our Cancer Ascendants have had Rahu on the 10th house, K2 in Aries for the last year and a half, K2 on the fourth house. So for a lot of those folks, they have been maybe, Focus, being forced to focus on their career in a way that takes them away from their home life or their sort of like inner peace kind of. And so 
Um, if you, if that has been problematic for you, whatever Rahu is doing, if that's creating problems in your life, maybe it's fine. Maybe you're focusing on your career in a good way, right? Um, and this is for cancer ascendants, just as an example, then you want to pay more attention to where K2 is and whatever that's doing. So we'll talk about that in context of this transit, Rahu and Pisces and K2 and Virgo. Um, because Rahu's going to make you obsessed. It's going to make you just want to consume and take in because that's what we do with our head. But to digest that and integrate it, you will have to lean into what K2 is doing. And so as always, no matter where this is happening in your birth chart, it's happening on some axis. So if it's, if you are a Pisces or a Virgo or, um, you know, like one of those signs, like if it's happening on your first and seventh, if Pisces is your ascendant or moon sign, that means this is happening on your first house, which is like you. And seventh house is other relationships. That's a little bit easier to see how the self and other sort of dichotomy, that symbiotic relationship I was talking about. Um, and then the home and career one is another easier one to see. Like how is your career work-life balance? Like it's a whole thing, right? Like we know that. Um in an embodied way. But then the rest of the houses in the chart also form a axis. So another good one, this that's like easy to see. So fifth house and 11th house form an axis. And um, fifth house is like creativity, romance, children. 11th house is gains from career, networking, um, your friends, your colleagues, um, and, and like earning money, coworkers and stuff. And so I feel like it's easy to see how those things, I don't know, maybe because I'm a parent, I'm like, I started focusing on my kids because my kids are really little. Once I had kids, it like cut me off from, um, my friends in some ways. Interestingly, my, I got pregnant with my first kid while Rahu was transiting my fifth house, right? So that's, if Rahu is transiting your fifth house, if you're not trying to get pregnant, be careful, right? I got pregnant on birth control, which is a very Rahu Thing, like an unusual, like disruptive to my life. Like, of course I was happy about it, but um, it wasn't the plan. And I was like all of a sudden forced to pay attention to that area of life, children, right? Like I just all of a sudden like had to do that, which cut me off from, you know, earning money because I was slowing down while I was pregnant and took maternity leave, cut me off from my friends. I like, I miss y'all, but a lot of friends that I had before I had kids, I have like new friends now that also have kids because we understand each other better um, than my, my friends that don't have kids. So that's a good example of one that's like maybe harder to see unless I like point it out to you. But every house and every sign has an axis. And so that's what if you want to know more specifically for you, that's what I do. The sign by sign in the membership for, it's not out yet, it'll be out soon, but I will do a sign by sign for Rahu and Pisces and K2 and Virgo. So you can kind of see how this dichotomy might be playing out in your life based on what house they're in for you. Um, so that's, that's the dynamic that Rahu and K2 are usually creating. Um, and so it's going to vary based on what houses it's in for you, what area of life it's your impact, it's impacting, but the energy is going to be the same for everybody. And the energy is of that Pisces and Virgo axis. And so with that, let's talk, let's talk, we've talked about what Rahu and K2 sort of mean and what they do in transit um, or in your chart. And then let's talk about what this di this dynamic of Pisces and Virgo, because as with anything I've been mentioning with the axis stuff, they 
always seem like opposites, but they're, um, they're interrelated. Like they can't, they impact each other, if you will. Like home and work are opposites, but we are always talking about work-life balance and how they're sort of inextricably linked, right? Like our, our career affects our home life, our home life affects our career, right? Um, and so Pisces, let's just start there, is the final sign of the Zodiac. So the fact that Rahu is moving there at all, because Rahu and K2 always move backwards, um, they're always retrograde. They never like go retrograde because they're always moving in the opposite direction through the signs as all the rest of the planets. Um, so we don't really say they're retrograde. Some softwares, if you calculate your chart, will have like a capital R at the end of Rahu and K2 um, to signify that it's retrograde, but they're just always retrograde, FYI. So they're starting a new cycle, first of all, when moving here in um, Pisces and Virgo or at least Rahu is, because moving from Aries, the first sign of the Zodiac, to Pisces, it's kind of crossing that boundary. Um, Rahu is also Gananta right now. I guess I'll talk more about that in a few minutes, but let's talk about what, in a general sense, Pisces and Virgo mean. So Pisces is the ocean. It's symbolized by two fish swimming in opposite directions. So there's this, like, um, sort of, like, non-duality with Pisces, this, like, very spiritual, like enigmatic kind of, um, can go either way, can like, um, in, in like feeling like you're an enigma, like, uh, I'm swimming in these opposite directions, but like both are kind of right for me. Um, and then also with like the ocean, the ocean is boundless, right? Um, this sort of ocean archetype to Pisces. Pisces is a water sign, very intuitive, emotional, sensitive, um, and so that can lead to trouble with boundaries, just in a general sense, because of this, like, how, how can you put boundaries on the ocean? Like the, uh, the ocean is unable to be contained, but in a practical sense, in relationships, that could be a problem if, and we'll talk about that when we get to the sort of like, what's a good time for and a bad time for, before we talk about the yoga practices and journal prompts, um, Rahu in Pisces can bring like, an obsession maybe a little bit towards those emotions and being in, tap, in, in touch with emotions and intuition um, and like dreams, but that can bring a, a, an unhealthy relationship with maybe like escapism, um, being what I call like an upper chakra imbalance or like so spiritual that you kind of like lose that groundedness, lose that uh, touch with reality. Um, that is can be like a, a feature of Rahu and Pisces. And so that's a brief synopsis of Pisces energy in a, in a very brief nutshell. And then let's talk about Virgo in a very brief nutshell also with maybe a little bit of what K2 there means. So Virgo is ruled by Mercury. So actually I forgot to mention that about Pisces, ruled by Jupiter. So that's part of the spiritual connection. Um, it's a water sign, so that's like the emotional connection, the symbolo symbology of the ocean, the fish swimming in opposite directions. That makes Pisces very like emotionally intuitive, like very concerned with spirituality and emotions. And then so K2, on the other hand, this is like I mentioned, like signs on an axis with each other can sometimes feel like opposites, but in fact, they're very important 
pieces of a dichotomy that influence each other and have this like sort of symbiotic relationship. If something's going wrong with one, the, something's going to be going wrong with the other, like kind of like that work-life balance example, which is more easy for people to conceptualize in an embodied way. If you're having trouble at home, it's going to be harder for you to focus at work. If you're having trouble at work, you might be more snappy at home or feel less able to unwind and find that peace if you're having trouble in your workday. So that's just an example that most people probably have an embodied understanding of, of how these things are opposites, but they influence each other. And so with Pisces being the emotional and intuitive and spiritual side, K2 is the, it's an earth sign. It's ruled by Mercury. So it has this like grounding energy. It, um, has connections to communication. And so this sort of like grounded sense of communication, um, Mercury is intellect. So it also has this like, uh, wanting everything to be grounded in logic, being very analytical. So can you see how those things are kind of opposites? Pisces being, um, this unbounded, like emotional ride the waves, like can't put me in a box. I'm the whole ocean, right? Like that's Pisces. And, Virgo is like, okay, let's bring this back to reality. Let's like bring some logic to this. Let's communicate in a way that makes sense. Like that's Virgo energy and Pisces is sort of the opposite. And so that's what, like I was saying though, with some of the more shadow sides of Pisces, um, you might, if, if it, if this energy is completely ungrounded, like if Rahu takes you all the way there to that Pisces energy, it can be a little Delulu as the kids are. I love that word. Like I heard, I think it's like a TikTok thing. I don't know. I'm like showing my age, but I'm like, I love it. Could be the fact that I'm in fact a Pisces rising. So, um, yeah, it, so, um, might be a little Delulu if you don't stay grounded in reality. So that's the thing, like I was saying with anything Rahu's doing, it's going to pull you very much in that direction. And it might pull you so much in that direction that you feel disconnected from whatever K2 is doing. So that's what everybody always says. K2 cuts you off from an area of life or whatever. And I think this is my observation, um, which is what any astrologer is doing. They're giving you their opinion based on their observation. That's like what it means to be an astrologer. Um, you just pay a lot of attention, research stuff. You look for patterns. If, if you enjoy doing that, then becoming an astrologer might be right for you. Look at the astrology for yogis page, yogiscopes.com slash AFY. Um, so this is what I'm doing. And my opinion about Rahu and K2 is if you get cut off from, because K2 can also be very spiritualizing. It can bring a spiritual element. You don't necessarily have to be cut off from that area of your life. Um, it, but if you are, it's because you're paying so much attention to whatever Rahu's doing that you like forget or don't give any of your attention to what K2 is doing. So um, Virgo also has these connections to health, right? So I mentioned this briefly on the quarterly outlook episode last week that I put out. Um, but basically if you become so obsessed with like this dreaminess and like uh, it's an upper chakra imbalance is what it is, what Rahu can really lead to like, woo, like floating around in the spiritual realm so much that you get like disconnected from your body. I guess to some people that's the goal. Like we talk about moksha, the 12th house, 12 signs of moksha house. Moksha meaning like spiritual liberation, freedom from the cycle of um, death and rebirth. Like that's moksha. And so I guess that could be a goal, 
right? But um, for me, I don't hope to achieve moksha in the sense that I am like living in a cave somewhere, like completely not existing in the world. Like I have to still exist in the world. I have kids. So, um, you know, I'm like, I can't just do that. I have to stay connected to my body and stay grounded in reality. So if you do get cut off from your health during, um, this transit over the next 18 months starting, which could be, you know, that's like Rahu and Pisces can lead to like delusionalness, like delusions of grandeur type stuff. Um, where if you're experiencing that coming back down to the physical, coming back down to grounding can be the antidote. So that's the sort of like yin and yang, like dichotomy we'll have going on with Rahu in Pisces and K2 in Virgo. So just to like sum it up, the overall energies of the next year and a half. So this is going from October 30th until May 18th of 2025. And so I talked about already um, the sort of changes we'll be experiencing, like spiritual portals we'll be going through over this eclipse season to usher in this new transit. And then after I tell you the overall energies, before I tell you the yoga practices and journal prompts, I also want to tell you about something that's happening at the end of this transit that is a big deal, which is Saturn and Rahu will conjoin in Pisces before, uh, before Rahu moves on. Saturn will move there. Saturn's in Aquarius right now. So they will conjoin. That's a big deal. I'm going to touch on it. But just to recap of like, this is lasting from October 30th of this, of this year until May of 2025. And so we'll have that. We're having these eclipses are sort of ushering it in. We'll have two sets of two eclipses next year in 2024 and then the next set of eclipses in 2025 in that spring of 2025 time like april or so we will have um we'll be ushering in the next cycle which will be aquarius and leo um, which is where saturn has been on in aquarius the aquarius and leo axis if you've been listening have been super activated right now and will continue to be in a lot of ways um, until 2025, like even beyond until 2027, because then after Saturn moves on, then Rahu and K2 will be there. So this is some like, you've got some short term and some long term of like what's going on with this. Let's be abundantly clear of what the overall energies of Rahu and Pisces and K2 and Virgo are before I then tell you what about that Saturn um, and Rahu conjunction towards the end of this transit. So um, Rahu and Pisces can bring increased sens sensitivity, intuition, um, and like a, just a longing for spirituality. It can so with that it can bring like heightened creativity, artistic pursuits, empathy. Like pay a lot of attention to your dreams and the messages coming through in your dreams, um, the messages of your subconscious. Like a meditation practice will be extra important during this time. Um, and paying attention to the downloads that you have from that, from your dreams, the the messages that are coming through from your subconscious due to Rahu and Pisces. But with that, on the shadow side, there is a potential for deception, fooling ourselves, or uh, portraying this like spiritual high horseness to other people, um, because that's what Rahu and Pisces is making us feeling like we should do, like we should be on this spiritual pedestal with ourselves and with others. Um, there, it could bring like escapism where you're spending so much time in your dream journal and in meditation that you're not like doing the shit you need to do in your life. Um, so, so be careful with that. 
and then the K2 in Virgo will be the answer as always. Um, and so this like, they're, they're a yin and yang. Like if you're experiencing problems on the shadow side of Rahu and pa uh, Rahu and Pisces, then you'll need to lean into K2. If you're experiencing problems with the K2 side, lean into Rahu. Um, and I'll talk more explicitly about that in just a second. So Rahu and Pisces is going to bring a strong desire for spiritual growth and mystical experiences. Like people are going to be wanting to go on retreats. Um, people are going to be wanting to like do ayahuasca. I don't know, like whatever, like this is people are going to be obsessed with that during this time probably yourself included because this is like a collective energy we're all part of the collective um and then k2 and virgo brings um a, a desire to uh detoxify and simplify our life there's this like minimalist energy when it comes to the physical and the mental we'll want to like sort of declutter our thoughts um detoxify our body and so that's another thing like if you're experiencing problems with Rahu is like overconsumption, lack of digestion of all of your sense organ stuff, your sight, your, you know, the material you're consuming, the media you're consuming, the songs you're listening to, what you're eating, all of that. If you're overconsuming and not digesting, leaning into detoxification and the body and digesting and feeling how that stuff affects you in a physical sense um, will help, right, with the K2 in Virgo leaning into your health and leaning into, um, your body and, and, and the grounding sense of the body because K2, or I mean, Virgo being an earth sign, leaning into grounding Pisces, interestingly represents the feet. Um, so if you can feet on earth, put your feet on the earth, feel your feet on the floor. Like that's going to be a good remedy for this entire transit over the next 18 months. And that's also validated by Saturn being an Aquarius is another good remedy for Saturn and Aquarius. Um, and so with K2 and Virgo, there is an enhanced uh, like analytical thinking, critical thinking skills. So I think really if you could marry the two, um, which is what I try to do with the Science of Light, the other podcast I have that I'm planning to revive, in fact, in January after this this round of Astrology for Yogis because I'm this is the second cohort, so I'm really like fine-tuning a lot of stuff, and it's a lot of work. And then after that, um, the the bulk of the course content will be created, and I'll still be running cohorts, as I've told several of you. Um, if you're not able to join this round, I expect to have another enrollment. Um, basically, you can expect enrollment every time Mercury goes direct. Is like I'll be launching, which is like next January, next uh, like April, and then again next August or September. So you can expect this sort of like three semester um or trimester if you will uh, a spring cohort a summer cohort and a fall cohort for the next at least two years of that so anyway and then after this second cohort i'm planning to revive the science of light so that's what i'm trying to do with that podcast like can we bring the spiritual down into grounding can we bring this science and analytical critical thinking abilities to this more intuitive you know light work if you will kind of stuff, which is also what Jyotish translates to. Vedic astrology translates to the science of light. So it's punny because I'm a punny person. Um, anyway, that pursuit will be great for this transit. Can you marry the analytical with the intuition? Can you incorporate both in a balanced way? Um, and, and I suspect it's going to be hard. Like that's going to be the challenge. You're going to be feel pulled one more one direction or the other. Um, and that is where the problems will come. So it's important to try to find that balance during this 
time, the next 18 months. Um, and so then also K2 in Virgo, hopefully it'll make you want to release over critical tendencies because that's sort of the shadow side of Virgo because Virgo can be so this grounded, um, grounded Mercury energy basically is what Virgo is and Mercury being communication, um, analytical thinking, critical thinking skills being grounded. Virgos are very like tickety boo, like put everything in a box, everything's organized, like, and that can lead to on the shadow side being, um, hypercritical of yourself and others. Um, being a little bit pedantic is a good word for it. Like, um, I didn't know what that word was meant until I was called it once. So FYI, like I'm not trying to throw shade. Um, I think that Saturn and Aquarius thing for me too. Like there might be a little bit of a tendency to be pedantic, which means like overly, um, caring too much about the little shit. Like, so just try not to do that with K2 and Virgo. Um, try to lean more into like an embodied understanding of what's important without being critical of yourself or others about it. Um, and then there's also a potential for health consciousness because Virgo does have this, um, connection to health. So it might make people in a general sense, more health conscious. But as I've mentioned, um, that's not usually like, like some people are just health conscious cause they are, cause they always have been, especially if you have Virgo or sixth house, sixth house placements, um, that can make a person naturally inclined to being health conscious. But I know so many people that are like not health conscious at all. They don't care. They don't give a shit about it until something happens that makes them have a health scare that then makes them like get their shit together and start caring about their health. And that happens all the time. So this could be a, a heightened time for health scares that make people like have wake up calls that like, Oh shit, I have to start caring about my body. That could be a theme of this next year and a half. So be on the lookout for it for yourself and others. Um, that's going to be heightened during this time. So this sort of, um, balance we have going on is between the embodied and the spiritual, um, this sort of upper chakra, lower chakra balance, um, happening. Try not to get pulled too far in one way or the other, like being so lower chakra, so grounded that you are like critical or like can't lean into, uh, intuition at all or spirituality or being so upper chakra focused, so spiritual and emotional that you lose touch with clear boundaries. You lose touch with, um, reality with being grounded. So that can lead to another like sort of thing related to Virgo is like, um, like litigation and the law and stuff. And so it's like, if you lose touch with reality a little bit, you might be like going into debt. You might be, um, finding yourself in legal trouble. Like these kind of things can, be, if you get too far in one direction or the other. Um, so you'll want to be finding a balance between these things for the whole time. And then towards the end, which as I've always said, towards the end of trans. So right now with this ancestor fortnight and eclipse season, and all this stuff, we're moving towards the end of, um, Aries and Libra, or I mean, Aries in Ar Rahu in Aries and K2 in Libra. We're moving towards the end of that. So whatever karmas you haven't worked out related to that transit might be being brought up in more full focus now. And now is the time to work through that stuff before you start experiencing new challenges related to Rahu and Pisces and K2 and Virgo. Um, but then towards the end of that transit, when we're in this eclipse season, um, at the end in, in between March of 2025 and May of 2025 is going to be a crazy time 
because we're going to have the biggest stellium ever, which stellium is in astrology. I think this is a Western astrology word, but it works. Um, when there's a collection of three or more planets in a sign at a time that is considered a stellium. And in March of 2025, specifically at the new moon, which will be the eclipse in Pisces on March 29th of 2025, we will have the moon and sun. That's what a new moon is with Rahu. That's making the eclipse. So moon, sun, Rahu, Mercury will be retrograde there in Pisces. Venus will be retrograde there in Pisces and Saturn will be there too. So that is a shit ton of stuff happening in the sign of Pisces at the end of March, 2025. And that sounds a little scary, like, oh God, what does that mean? What does that mean for our Pisces people? What does that mean for the Pisces area of your life? Basically, it means it's going to be time to pay the piper when it comes to all this stuff. Like anything that you haven't worked through related to this is going to be in your face at that eclipse. And it's either going to be a moment of breakthrough or it's going to be a moment of the shit hitting the fan because you haven't dealt with it, right? So, um, and by the shit, I mean like all this stuff I've described of what Rahu and Ketu in these signs will bring. And because what we have happening is Rahu will have been in Pisces for a year and a half by the time this happens. Rahu will be very near leaving Pisces in March of 2025. Um, but so just before this eclipse on March 29th of 2025, Saturn will have moved there. And so it's also kind of a big deal that we'll have Mercury and Venus also retrograde at that time. Um, but Saturn and Rahu can join about once every 12 years. So it doesn't happen very often, but it's also not like hundreds of years rare kind of thing. Um, but the fact that it's happening in Pisces, the last time that happened was 1968. And so I'm going to tell you more about like what happened then. Um, but we're going to talk more about what the Saturn and Rahu conjunction mean based on evidence, based on um, what's happened when they've been together in the past. Um, but what's important to know is that in, so that's going to be like in a general sense, like historically in a collective way, what has happened. Um, but then in, in a personal sense, in your personal life, Rahu will have been there respectfully fucking shit up in your Pisces area of life um, to make you pay attention to it so that you can hopefully also integrate your lessons you're learning through the Virgo area of your life, through what K2 is doing. So you can integrate all of this so you can step forward better. Rahu's going to be there making you obsessed with this fucking shit up. And so hopefully you're working with that. And then when Saturn moves there, they're switching places. And so Rahu is this planet of, so like Rahu will be about to leave when Saturn moves there, but they're going to spend about two months there together from May, March to May. And of 2025. And so during that time, it's going, there's going to be this, it's like a clash of energy because Rahu is like, um, obsessive, like very, like, I want it now. Like I see something I wanted. I got to have it. Like that's a Rahu energy. Saturn is like, put your head down and work. Don't take shortcuts. Rahu is all about shortcuts. So when those two planets are there together, it's going to create this like, tension where if you try to take shortcuts at that time, Saturn, you're going to be paying the piper for that. It's going to like become really prominent when Rahu and Saturn, um, join there between March and May of 2025. 
But then for the next like two years, two, two and a half years while Saturn is in Pisces, you're going to continue to be paying the piper, if you will. Like you're going to be dealing with the shit. So, um, just try to not have shit to deal with. Like if right now, while Rahu is there from October 30th of this year until, um, May of 2025, if you feel that like tendency to be obsessive, tendency to like want it and want it now and be like shiny object syndrome, like upper chakra imbalance, um, try to just really lean into that K2 side, lean into that grounding, lean into that, um, that embodiedness, not, not taking shortcuts, um, when it comes to, especially whatever house, uh, Pisces is in for you and, and bringing sort of like a spiritual sense of embodiedness and spiritual sense of wellness there to that, because that will ease it. So that's kind of the difference in a personal sense. Um, whether this stellium in Pisces is going to be like a breakthrough, really awesome moment for you or going to be when the shit hits the fan because you have not been dealing with your shit appropriately. Um, so so yeah, so that's the difference in an individual sense, but in a collective sense, let's look back at the last time that Rahu and Ketu conjoined specifically in Pisces. So they, they conjoin roughly once every 12 years, but, um, it's in different signs. And so the last time that conjunction happened in Pisces was in May of 1968. So I looked at what was going on in 1968 and specifically around May, around the time um, like spring to summer when they would have been conjoining there. And so the same thing, they're moving in opposite directions. So when they conjoin, then they switch places. And so also what's important to know about that is that, so now Saturn will be where Rahu has been, which is in Pisces, but Rahu is going to where Aqu to Aquarius where Saturn has been. So hopefully you're also doing your work this whole time related to the Aquarius area of your chart, related to what house that governs and, you know, et cetera because that part will be a little bit easier because it's like Saturn's going to force you to do the work and then Rahu might make you um, see the payoff because you're going to continue to be obsessed with that, if you will. Um, so I think that will be a little bit easier, the Aquarius, like what's going on with Aquarius, because um, Saturn will have kind of forced you to pay the piper in that area of your life and then Rahu will go there and you'll have hopefully a more sturdy foundation. But Saturn going where Rahu has been, Saturn's going to like come and clean up the mess that Rahu has made, basically, if that makes sense. Um, so try not to make a mess. Try not to let that happen to you is what I'm hoping to get at. Um, so the last time Rahu and Saturn conjoined in Pisces was in 1968. As I've been mentioning, you know, maybe have some already ideas of what was going on in the late 60s, like, uh, like peace and love movement. Like I've been saying, this collective, focus on the collective, like spirituality and, um, like collective liberation in a sense. Um, and also, so we had some tech advances. So Intel corporation was formed in 1968 around this time. Um, and so they make microchips. That's like sort of like the invention of the computer. So we'll continue to see that. Like that's been a Saturn and Aquarius thing. Um, AI really came about with Saturn and Aquarius. You can go back and listen to the episode. I put it out in like December. And then when did AI blow up? It was like early this year, as soon as Saturn moved there. So, right. So, um, yeah, so that's going to continue to just get bigger. We're going to continue to see tech advances that revolutionize our relationship to tech in a collective sense. Right. Um, and then there were also 
assassin lots of assassinations that year so martin luther king jr being the like most prominent one he was doing a lot of work for the collective liberation and he was assassinated so that is sort of in a collective sense a good representation of this people are going to be trying to do work for collective liberation and there are going to be people that are going to be mad about it so mad about it that they do some outrageous shit like kill a human being over it right so um that's in a collective sense what might be happening um and so in a personal sense it's more like um what's your own contribution to that collective liberation? What's your own contribution to your own personal liberation and personal liberation and collective liberation are intertwined, right? We've talked about this. Um, and then, so that's Saturn and Rahu in Pisces specifically, but then in a general sense, as I talk about frequently, Saturn and Rahu and K2 and Jupiter are like the four biggest karmic planets in um, in Vedic astrology. So all the rest of the planets like, you know, sun, moon, Venus, Mercury, Mars are more like short-term type stuff. Like they're affecting your life in the short term. Saturn, Jupiter, Rahu, and K2 are affecting your life in the long term. They are affecting the trajectory of human civilization and the trajectory of your life. And so some astrologers are predicting that this 2025, this big thing happening in 2025 is going to cause like World War III. That's what I've heard. I don't know. I read about it. I'm like, I don't know. Uh, maybe. But I think also warfare is different now. I think it might show up in a different way. It might not be quite the like battle oriented way that, um, uh, like World War One and Two were, it might be more like I think there's gonna be fight. I think there's gonna be trouble, right? Um, in a collective sense, like I've been saying, this connection to spirituality and to health, it doesn't just like come easy. It comes because there's problems. Like people turn more deeply to spirituality when shit is hard. It makes people feel like they need that something, that spiritual connection, right? And so, um, just historically, World War Two started when. Saturn and K2 were together in Aries. And so that's a, that's similar, but it's a different flavor. It's different. Aries is ruled by Mars. Mars is the warrior planet. Uh, and so that's just a little bit different. Like it's similar, similar energies. So there's this notion of like when these big karmic planets come together, when they can join. Um, and so also when, then when Jupiter and Saturn move together, in 1940 to 1941, then, um, the war was like escalating. Right. And then in 1945, the war ended when Saturn and Rahu came together. And so if you look at how that parallels what we're going through now, Saturn and K2 came together in Sagittarius during 2019 to 2020. So this um, and that's what brought COVID, you know, and then Jupiter and Saturn were together from November of 2019 to November of 2021. And that is what sort of, we saw this escalation of COVID, COVID, this escalation of, um, you know, wanting to bring this collective liberation in some ways too, with like, um, we had a lot of like racial, like protests and stuff going on right during that time. Um, and so that's like sort of the path. So, um, and then when Saturn and Rahu can join, so see, they, they like do this dance with each other. 
um, and then they'll be conjoining and then they'll like move away from each other for a while. Um, so when that conjunction happens of Saturn and Rahu, if it parallels this historical like Great Depression to World War II, we'll start to see it resolve around then, but it might kind of go out with a bang, if you will. Um, so I don't think it's anything to be scared of. Like maybe I'll eat my words in a few years and we'll be in World War III and I'll be like, oh, that was dumb of me. Um, you know, but I don't, I don't think it's gonna be that. I think we might continue to see, um, things escalate. I also want to point out in the U S that in 2025 is when a new president or whatever, you know, whoever gets elected, whoever wins the election, um, in 2024, in early 2025, they get inaugurated. And so if they start putting changes into place, we'll start to see that around March to May right? Um, so that tracks, if you will. So that's in a collective sense. Um, I think people are like afraid. They're like, oh God, are we headed for another Great Depression? Are we headed for another world war? And I mean, maybe because like I was saying, the, um, the astrological stuff kind of does parallel that time because we started with a Saturn K2 conjunction, then Saturn and Jupiter were together then Saturn and Rahu were together. And that's the way they move. Like that just happens. Um, and then they'll move away from each other and we'll have some like peace times and, and stuff. It'll be, it might be a little more chill for a while, if you will. Um, but like the baby boom, right after the world war, like things were good after we went through all this hardship, like things were pretty good for a little bit. Um, but then like at this time, don't be worried about like, I've heard people say we're living in like the silent depression right now because, um, inflation is so high. Like if you compare like today's dollars to 19, $39, like all the other indicate the only difference between now and the great depression, at least here in the U S is that unemployment was higher than it is now. But other than that, like the wages to cost of living is worse now than it was then. It's just more people are employed. So that's why I'm like, you don't have to be scared. Like we're already living through it and you're living to tell the tale, right? Like you might, be going through some hardship, but you're making it right. Okay. So this has been a lot. Um, but it is a lot. This is an 18 month long thing. I want you to feel well prepared for it. Um, and so to recap, we've talked about what's going on, um, at the beginning of the transit, what's sort of ushering it in with this ancestor fortnight and eclipse season. Um, which I will of course talk about each of those pieces individually in the coming weeks as they happen. And then we've talked about what the overall energies of the entire transit are. We've talked about what, how it might kind of go out with a bang in March of 2029. That, that period is what we're leading up to. So do the work now. You're listening. So good job. You're going to be prepared. Um, and so let's talk about before we jump into the yoga practices and journal prompts that are going to be for the whole, like this is for planning for the whole transit. Um, let's talk about it's a good time for it or a bad time for it. It's a good time to be or get into a spiritual profession or have your spiritual practices on deck. Because like I was saying, people are going to be obsessed with retreats, with spirituality. People are going to be seeking it out. So if you've been considering getting into a spiritual profession sometime over the next 18 months is a good time to go through that transformation. And like I was saying, especially at this ancestor fortnight, this ushering in of this next cycle right now, like we're the energies are supportive of that transformation anyway. So it's a good time to do that, put it into action in your personal life. And so astrology for yogis is a good course to usher you through that. You could do your own thing, like whatever. I don't know. 
whatever you want to do. But if you want to join us, yogiscopes.com slash AFY um, to find out more about what that will look like in your life, what you'll learn, etc. Um, it's also a good time for getting your legal systems in order, waivers, contracts, um, your will, like don't take any of that for granted. Um, you'll want to have that stuff in order because that's what sort of K2 is asking. And K2 and Virgo is like, please have your ducks in a row when it comes to documents. Um, and it's also a good time for spiritual connection to your health routine so you don't get cut off from your wellness. So if you don't, like that's the thing, if you um, don't prioritize that, what K2 is asking you to do, which is have an embodied sense of wellness and embodied wellness practice, K2 will cut you off from that. So pay attention and maybe make it a spiritual practice, like an Ayurvedic, like Dinacharya daily routine that is more like a ritual of health, if you will. It's also a good time for grounding and embodiment. So connecting to your feet, maybe some tapping um, of the body, things that connect you to your body and make you feel more embodied and not just like intellectual about something or like uh, thinking about it in theory, like embody what you're, you know, walk the walk during this time. It's also a good time for marrying intuition with analysis. Like you have to have both. They're this yin and yang relationship. You can't be all the way in the Rahu and Pisces intuition realm. You have to ground it in reality. If you are only existing in the anal analytical brain, then you're going to miss out on a lot and you might become sort of like overcritical. Um, that can cause problems too in your relationships, especially. Um, and then it's also a good time for being honest with yourself without being self-critical. So no delusions of grandeur. We don't want any of that. Um, that's the Rahu in Pisces side without being self-critical. That's the K2 in Virgo side. So you want to be really real with yourself while also being compassionate with yourself during this time. Um, and it's also a good time for simplicity and minimalism in your approach to just everything. Can you simplify everything? Don't let good be the enemy of perfect. So that's what that leads us into what it's a bad time for. It's a bad time for being overcritical of yourself or others. Don't let good be the enemy of perfect, or I mean, perfect be the enemy of good. Um, so like, don't let that overanalyzing analysis paralysis stop you from putting yourself out there and just doing something, right? Um, it's also a bad time for ungroundedness leaning to possible delusion, that Vata imbalance, that upper chakra imbalance, like losing touch with reality, because you're so in the spiritual realm. It's also a bad time for delusion when it comes to finances. Don't overspend. K2 and Virgo is asking you to get your expenses in order, your budget, your, um, your legal documents, your financial documents. Lean into that. Um, so you can finance your dreams, kind of. like So you want to work towards your dreams. You're going to be obsessed with that. But if you're not paying attention to your health and your finances and your just stuff... Um, you're going to experience problems. So it's also a bad time for heightened emotional sensitivity and lack of boundaries leading to miscommunication. So it's okay. It's good. In fact, to be in touch with your, um, emotional sensitivity with this Rahu and Pisces and being in touch with that boundless experience, experiencing like boundless joy, boundless love, but don't let that boundlessness and that heightened emotional awareness lead you to a point where you are, um, having miscommunications because you're not setting those boundaries and you're not, uh, you're operating from a place of emotion. Like, so that's what, um, I always like to tell my kids, like any feeling is okay. Any behavior is not, you can't just like do whatever. 
You can't just act on your feelings all the time. It's good to be aware of your feelings and still be grounded in reality and not just be pulled around on a whim by your feelings, right? That might cause problems in relationships as well. So, and then it's also a bad time for wanting a magic pill or taking shortcuts when it comes to health, spirituality, or like making your dreams happen. So Rahu's going to make you like obsessed with living your dreams and kind of stuff and like manifesting these kind of things. Um, but don't look for shortcuts. That's like I was saying, Rahu's going to make you want to look for shortcuts. And then when Saturn comes there to Pisces in 2025, if you've been chasing that magic pill or the shortcuts, you're going to pay the piper at that time, right? Like it's going to come. Um, so just be careful about that. So your yoga practices for this entire transit are grounding, connecting to your feet because Pisces is the feet, Virgo is this earth element. You want to feel your body on the earth as much as possible. Shavasana, never skip Shavasana, connect to your feet a lot. This also goes for the Saturn and Aquarius transit and will continue to be true when Saturn is in Pisces. So this next just like five years is just a really important time to be grounding and taking care of your feet. I don't know, get pedicures if you have to, if you want to. Um, it's also a good time for body awareness and maybe so tapping, self-massage, getting massages, um, and just in cultivating interoceptive awareness, which is something I teach you how to do in the astrology for yogis training. That's the trauma informed piece. I teach you how to help cultivate that for your students, which is really what creates the transformational experience where it makes yoga less about putting your body in a certain shape and more about feeling embodying uh, the energy. That's what we do in Yogi Scopes is we're embodying the astrological energies. So it's a good time for that, feeling it in your body, um, having these embodiment practices as a daily routine, not just about putting your body in shapes, but about feeling an experience in your body, digesting what you're taking in with your brain in your body. And then it's also with that a good time for Panchakarma. If you've never done Panchakarma, Ayurvedic cleanse, um, I do them twice a year. Now that I'm done being pregnant and breastfeeding, I'm back to that routine. Um, it's a, that's a good routine. I have episodes about that on the Science of Light if you want to listen. And then your journal prompts are what crazy dreams am I just absolutely obsessed with? Like what dreams do you have in life? Are you obsessed with chasing? That's what Rahu's going to pull you towards. Um, and in what ways can I digest, if you will, that obsession into habits, everyday action, and part of my wellness routine? So that's how you're going to ground the Rahu energy into the K2 energy. And then in what ways could I infuse my everyday life with more spirituality and body connection? So both both things, not just meditating and being out of your body. Um, but not just never being in that spiritual realm. So you want to be in the body and feeling that spiritual connection. And then lastly, where do I fall on the illusions of grandeur versus hypercritical of myself spectrum? So are you like a little bit Delulu or are you so like, um, grounded in reality that you have some sense of, Oh, that'll never work. Um, or you let perfect be the enemy of good. Um, where do you fall on that? And how could I find a more balanced approach over the next 18 months between um, being out of touch with reality or not having that spark of like, this could work. Um, I'm going to pursue my crazy dreams kind of thing. So that's going to be the balance over the next 
18 months and I hope you revisit this episode if you need to touch back into it because this is an 18 month long thing. Just come back to it when you feel like you need to reconnect to like these more subtle energies that are going on. I hope um, this, all the information here has served you well to help understand this in a practical sense. I apologize that it was kind of long, but I had a lot to say. So be on the lookout for in the coming weeks, we'll talk more individually about each of the upcoming eclipses. I'll talk more about that ancestor fortnight and with the full moon next Friday, that is when enrollment closes for astrology for yogis. So if I've sparked your interest about it, if you're interested in becoming a Vedic astrologer, I also have um, on that page when you go to yogiscopes.com slash AFY, you can, it's down near the bottom, but you can book a call with me. Like if you want to talk face to face about it, we can jump on a Zoom. My schedule is there. You can just book a call. It's, it's free of charge. It's um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about if this is right for you and more about what the program entails and if it's a good fit for your life. If you're a good fit for the program, let's talk about it. Um, and so enrollment's open officially today as of now and um, it closes at the beginning of that ancestor fortnight. So I'll be back with an episode about the Pisces um, full moon and an episode about ancestor fortnight and more of what's going on um, other than eclipses in October soon. Please remember to always keep your feet on the ground, your head in the stars, and stay in the light. Until next time, friends, take care.